My name is Matt Brown. Hey, let's go. And let's start the show. No, that's a penalty. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? The world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Thursday, October 12th, 2023. Oh, man, we are just going by, aren't we? So we have to talk about week six in the college football season. We are at the halfway point right now. And as we are about to get into some crucial conference play, as some of the rivalry games really start to unfold and take place, and as we march closer to a national championship, we are here the whole way through with the Productive Conversations podcast and the productive college football crew so we have a very good show with alex and nico and before we get into all that i just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the productive conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and youtube and don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show across all social media platforms we're on instagram at productive conversations podcast twitter and x at progovo pod we're on TikTok at Productive Conversations and Facebook at Productive Conversations. So yeah, we, th- what happened this week? We had the Red River Classic really become a classic game, a nice back and forth battle between two of the biggest names in college football in Oklahoma and Texas. Awesome game there. Colorado got back to winning, but is the hype died down enough that they're just going to coast on by for the rest of the season and it's a matter of recruiting at this point? Are we sold on Michigan's their dominance? We really haven't talked about them as much during the college football season, especially when uh, Harbaugh was serving suspension, but he's back, and we're talking about all of that good stuff. Notre Dame having a jeopardizing loss for their season, and uh, the U absolutely embarrassing themselves, not taking a knee and letting Georgia Tech steal one from them. Plus, we make picks for Week 7, and uh, we just... Keep on keeping on with a very good show and quality content. So this is a very good show. Let us talk about week six in the college football season and talk about all the other major headlines coming into this week. And then we make our picks for this upcoming Saturday. So good stuff ahead. Why don't we get into it? As I mentioned, Alex and Nico, it's your guys' turn. Let us talk about week six in the college football season. Here we go. This is a very productive conversation. All right, week six in the college football season is in the books. We are past the halfway point of the year. We are having more rivalry games. We're having more crucial conference games, and things are heating up once and for all as we get closer to the college football playoff. Let's talk about week six. Here are today's productive conversation with Nico and Alex. What's up, guys? How are we doing? Glad to be back. Absolutely thrilled. So why don't we talk about and kick it off with what could be a classic in this classic rivalry. The Battle of Red River took place on Saturday afternoon. Oklahoma versus Texas. A true back-to-forth, back-and-forth battle. Uh, both seasons on with huge implications on the season for both teams, both on the line. The undefeated matchup went down to the final 90 seconds as Oklahoma storms down the field and knocks off Texas with a huge victory. And what could happen from here? It looks like Oklahoma now makes some strides up the ranks, and it looks like Texas is now in jeopardy for a college football spot, knocking them out of that 
position as they were coming in at th- at third this past Saturday. So what do we think about this game? And uh, who has the more interesting rest of the season after the fact? Yeah, um, arguably the best game of college football season so far. Just so fun to watch as a viewer. Um, unbelievable from the start to finish. Um, the rivalry's back. Everyone that said Texas fell off, which they did, and now they're back. And Oklahoma's always been around in uh, recent memory. But I'm glad to see this rivalry's back. I'm glad with both teams going to the SEC, this rivalry's going to continue. Um, Cotton Bowl, it that was the Cotton Bowl. We watched an old school <laughs> matchup, and it was just phenomenal to see. Um, something I do want to mention is the biggest loser for this matchup is not Texas or uh, obviously not Oklahoma. It's Alabama. Uh, that this is a tough Alabama needed Texas to win this game, um, which makes it very hard coming up in the months. Texas can easily um, win out the rest of the season and. Come committee time, it's going to make it interesting. But, um, hey, hats off to Oklahoma. Played their ass off. Now they're going to get the credit they deserve. Um, glad to see this rivalry is back. It is back to what we wanted it. And um, I look forward to this game every year. I'm just so happy it delivered. Yeah, um, definitely. It feels like in years recent past, um, either OU's been up and Texas was down, you know, the years with Charlie Strong, or Texas was up but still didn't fulfill promises kept and uh, Oklahoma was down. So, um, you know, we had questions about how good this um, OU team was going to be post-Lincoln Riley. Um, I thought this game delivered and brought it back to, like, the true, the classic days when these team, two teams were at their pinnacle. Um, <clears throat> and it was just like – it was like a Madden game. It was just offense all around, all over the place. I, I will say that it kind of um, secured my uh, original instinct that Texas was not a real three, and we talked about it in last week's episode. And I believe even without – losing in the fashion they did to OU, I think that this revealed a lot about where they rank in that hierarchy with the top four teams uh, in the country. So I think that not only did OU win out this game, but also the Big Ten won this game uh, this game as well because now it makes the whole field remaining look a lot better and more, um, and more sexy for the uh, selection committee. More sexy. Who do you prefer if you had to pick of those four? I'm sorry – if um college football if the college football playoff is set, we have three teams in and it went down to Oklahoma and Texas, who would you personally choose to get into that spot? You have to say Oklahoma after this performance. Uh, you just you, with a win, a head to head win, hundred percent Oklahoma all day. Um mm-hmm. granted Texas might have a more impressive resume if it came down to both teams have one loss at the end of the year, but I'm a big believer in a head to head matchup and I think a head to head should um, way great dividends to the committee in Oklahoma. If they were both at that point, one lost teams at that point in the year, Oklahoma deserves it. Is the question, just to be clear, is the question who is the better team at the end of the year or who is better prime positioned for the playoffs? It's more just who do you think is more deserving of that spot? Um, I think OU is definitely more deserving of that spot, but I think if they were to meet again, theoretically, that Texas would wipe them. I think that... Um, this was definitely a rivalry game, but it's very hard to repeat that uh, two times in a year. So I think that if they were to run it back, I think Texas would win very handily. All right. I respect it. Good stuff. So we had Colorado get back to their winning ways. The over-under number in their future bets was three and a half, and they officially accomplished that already in mid-October. You know, 
again, I feel the definitely the hype train for Colorado has died down on a national level, but you know, they're still worthy of watching, still worthy of following and seeing where they will end up in the bowl season, which are clearly on track to getting through at least. But um, how do we feel about this point? And if and you know this game could have gone either way against a struggling Arizona State team. But what are, what comments now that you know? What are what are we thinking about the state of Colorado's program at this point? Now that you know the hype is down and you know people could really focus on them and where they're going for their conference the rest of the way through, and you know. And of course, just Dion being Dion. We'll keep seeing him in commercials. Press conferences will always be uh, viral. And now we could just see where they really will go at with not having as much of a microscope on them. Well, they they definitely simmer down. Um, they're closer to where I think their realistic expectations are, which is a little about a little better than above five hundred. Um, <clears throat> I've definitely backed off the bandwagon because um, I think not only did that USC game humble them, but I've seen some of their um, their offensive woes start to reemerge. I, I'm looking at the numbers, and Arizona State won this game on paper, and I think this could have gone either way with the flip of flip of a coin or or a turn of the ball. So um, they're very fortunate to win this game. You know, a win is a win, but you know they have a lot of room to improve. And Dion's just going to keep being Dion, but. Um, they're gonna have they're gonna have a tough stretch the remainder of the season as well. They got a lot of ranked opponents um, all remaining through the past twelve, and um, they just gotta keep trucking along and getting better incrementally by the week. Yeah, um, uh, one thing I want to say, I might go on a little bit of rant here. Not trying to, not trying to sound like a hater. I am sick and tired of hearing about this football team. The four <laughs> games re- revived. It's great. It's back. Recruiting's gonna be great. Glad to hear. You're beating a one and four Arizona State team by a field goal. Like, why are we? Like, I know it's not us. It's everywhere. Everywhere you're going to ESPN, Colorado, Colorado, prime time, prime time. <laughs> he draws attraction. I am sick of it. I hate talking about mediocrity. Why are we talking about mediocrity? Let's go. Why aren't we talking about Northwestern? Why aren't we talking about Iowa? I get we're not talking about it because of the prime time factor, and I get it. But I am so sick of hearing about this overrated football team week after week after week. Uh, I'm not trying to say a Colorado hater. I'm so happy and so excited what they're going to bring in the next five years. I think it's going to be great. It's going to be exciting. But as of right now, we're talking about a team who's might not even make a bowl game. They, they might not get six wins. This is absurd. I know they hit their way told. I know everything. But everywhere you look, ESPN, uh, Fox Sports, Twitter, Barstool, anywhere, Colorado, Colorado, Colorado. Enough's enough. Let's move on. Let's focus. We're in week six, going on week seven now. Let's focus on the big boys and let's let's play some football. Oh, do you, do you think the opposite? I thought Alex think was a... going to have that type of uh, reaction, and it was Nico. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why that's why I said they're going to regress towards the mean, where they're going to be a little better than above five hundred because the 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 Dion train simmered a little bit. But my question to you, Nico, is. With that being said, them remaining in the spotlight, don't you think that they're due some of this retributional type of uh, backlash? Be- um, because now it's going to be in full force on on display to the whole world when they get blown out by you know Oregon or Washington or whomever. Yeah, no, I I am I'm not someone that's necessarily rooting against them. Where uh, I I 
don't want to say they deserve that backlash, but the reason why they do deserve the backlash has nothing to do with Colorado. It has to do with the media hyping them up all the way. Um, so you know what? You live to the hype, and now you're going to get embarrassed. So you're going to get a double-edged sword there of exactly what's happening. Um, but also to answer your question as well, I, I think for a recruiting aspect and what they're doing is phenomenal. Um, but um, I, I wonder what these recruits are going to think when like they're sitting there and they're like, yeah, it's great. It's great. The swagger's great. Everything. Um, but when you see them in these next couple of weeks losing these games, playing in Washington, you like you sell whoever. Um, I don't have it in front, but what's coming up in the next few weeks? Um, I I just really don't think. Um, if I'm sitting there, going to be like, am I going to want to go and play in for a six and six team, or am I going to go to Alabama and the Georgias of the world and continue to be almost guaranteed a spotlight week in and week out? Man, I really think. They have to dominate Stanford at home. That should be a gimme, but you, you know nothing's a gimme in this in this in this league. Uh, UCLA will be definitely tough, and then Oregon State, even at home, is going to be tough. So, and you know, the Pac-12 is definitely better than we expected, but um, they're going to meet their they're going to meet their match. So, I just think they will be getting that much of get that be that popular of a recruiting class. There's that much pizzazz in there, and people love, just love everything Dion and stuff like that. So, only time will tell. But I really do think, in just a year, that team's gonna look completely different with that aspect. And yep. um, we'll see also if they can. Um, we we'll also see if they can uh, prove it with their pocketbooks as well. So, good times ahead indeed. Okay. Why don't we move on to Michigan? Michigan has Jim Harbaugh back. You know, early part of the season had nothing but scrub teams and eating them up. This season's about the season's about to get more tougher. Michigan is at number two. Are we sold on Michigan? Yes or no? Um, in what context are we sold? They're a shoe in to win the Big Ten or just to go to the championship? She went to win a Big Ten, and if they will be in the college football playoff. Well, they'll definitely be in the college football playoff, but I still stand by my position that um, it's still open whether the crown for the Big Ten um, is up for grabs. Now, I was definitely impressed with what I saw um, from Ohio State this weekend. Um, I thought they had another statement game because I actually do believe that um, Maryland is a pretty formidable opponent, um, at least on paper. But – Again, we have to see what happens with um, Penn State coming off their bye. I still stand by them as being um, the current favorite as of week six going into week seven. Um, and they should dominate UMass. And, and hopefully, you know, the 21st and they play in uh, in Columbus, that's going to be a, that's going to be a statement game. That's going to decide where the where where the cards fall, where the chips fall. So, yeah, I mean, uh, great win by Michigan. Obviously doing exactly what they have to do versus the Minnesota yep. team, just manhandling them. Looks great in the eyes for a committee down the road if we get there. Um, but Alex brought it up last week. Uh, this is just a crash course from Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan. They're all running. They're all going to cannibalize themselves. It's going to be just – it's going to happen. It, it's inevitable. Like, it is happening. It's coming up in the next few weeks um, where I think Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State are all on the same wavelength platform right now where they're very well aware that they're the best teams in the Big Ten and anything can happen. Um with that being said, I think Michigan has proved that they are the best so far. Um, I'm also a little biased with Harbaugh, but um, I really do think Michigan um, 
knows what they have to do. They're going to keep dominating these games versus Minnesota, dominate these games versus Northwestern. Um, wins like that. And um, they have Ohio State, obviously, last game of the season, but they got Penn State before that. Uh, I I really think we might be in a situation where all three Big Ten teams are one and one. Uh, well, I have one, one loss. Ohio like I, I can see Penn State beating Michigan, but Michigan beating Ohio State and Ohio State beating Penn State, and it's going to be a real, real gray area come late December when they have to sit on that cold winter night and figure out who's going to get into the playoffs. Now, here's a here's a hot take. Here's a wild card question: Who, which coach of the three, Ryan Day, Franklin, or Harbaugh has the most to prove during this uh, during this run towards the end of the season? So right now, I will say Franklin, and the reason why I say that is because my expectations are just so low of him to begin with. Um, mm-hmm. He went to East Strasburg University. I went there for a year, so I have a you know mm-hmm. like uh, <clears throat> I respect him in that matter, but uh, I definitely just think. Uh, I'm still think this Penn State team is the best team in the Big Ten, arguably one of the uh, best teams in the country, obviously. But I, I just am very fearful that James Franklin is going to lose, lose this team this <clears throat> season. I, I don't know how he's going to do it. He's going to either run the ball on a fourth and five play to win a game like he did against Ohio State a couple years ago, and he's going to do something that just can't happen. And, uh, yeah, but same question back to you. Like, what do you who has in your mind uh, between the three? Well, I think that Ryan Day is definitely playing with the worst uh, hand, if, you know, in, in terms of, uh, you know, cards. But I think <clears throat> Harbaugh has the most to prove if we're if, – if Ohio State, which is their boogeyman, is out of the field or out of contention for the playoff by the end of the year, um, there is absolutely no excuse at all in <laughs> – in, in my opinion, that uh, Harbaugh should not win the, the the whole thing around the table. I don't think Georgia is as good as people say. I think they're a really soft one, number one seed, and they could be beat. Um, Michigan's one in more dominant fashion, and if he's going to solidify himself post, you know, during his return here to Michigan, he has to win it this year. Like I, I said it during the pregame, I mean during the pre-season uh, um, preview, uh, but. I think there's the most upside for James Franklin for the reasons that we said, but I think that there's no question that Harbaugh is the most approved. Yeah, I'm going with Harbaugh as well. Need to get get another win against Ohio State. Seems it. like you have the best roster you've had in years for this. And for somebody who always wants to flirt with going back to the NFL, it would mean a lot to that community. The alumni and the college football world, if you're going to, actually bring back that national championship and don't seem like a coward like that. What do you think those all-time ratings would be if Michigan and Ohio State met in the playoff during during the first round? Unbelievable. Record-breaking. Oh, they're going to be – that's must-see TV. Big neutral site game too and yeah, okay. uh, bring, them, bring those two fan bases together. It'll get people talking for sure. No that doubt. Would, that, would, that would break the internet. So what do we just think about Georgia Tech – the unranked Georgia Tech knocking off the ranked 17th ranked Miami Hurricanes. And in a game where the U had it won, all they had to do was take a knee and to run out the clock with less than a minute to go. Decided to run the ball, have a crucial takeaway, and it led to uh, Georgia Tech going down the field, going to win it on a touchdown. And, um, you know, 
I, a lot of people are seeing in the U is on their way to be coming back to a powerhouse for the first time since like the early 2000s where they were the U. And an embarrassing loss like that uh, does make it go backwards. They were having an undefeated season up to that point. How bad is this loss? Can't happen. It, it just plain and simple can't happen. Uh, it just take a uh, sorry, Kurt, just take a knee. All you have to do is take a <laughs> knee. It is ridiculous. Like, how are we in 2023 in, in analytics are such a big factor, and you don't know when you can take a knee and when you cannot? Um, I think, um, Mario, and that, but I think he should have walked off the field. I think he should have turned in his resignation letter. I would not. I would not go back and face my players after that game. The fact that you have a team where you like, if there's a fumble snap or something crazy like that on a knee, that's one thing. But this is this is ridiculous. This can't happen. I think if someone goes to their job like a regular nine to five and you make a mistake this crucial, you should you should be fired on the spot. Or and I think this is granted he's coached at Oregon and he's not a bad coach and all this stuff. This is inexcusable. There's nothing that you can do to ever come back from this. In my opinion, this is like not taking a knee. It's it's 2023. What are we doing? How don't you know these things? Like, how are you a D1 coach at one of the most prestigious universities in the country, and you're not going to take a knee to end up that game? Um, pass off to Georgia Tech, though. Getting the ball back, making the most, best of the opportunity. I, I was really excited to see them go on and win that game. I did. That was one of my favorite bets last week. Um, I'm getting 19 and a half, but. I never expected them to win that game out, right? No, I didn't either. I mean, I thought this was like a classic mulligan for Miami. They pro- um, There's no excuse about the way that they executed the, the, the end of this game. You're absolutely right. You know, I want to be a dead horse. You got to take a knee and close this out and get the W, especially at home. I mean, unbelievable. But I will say that there is still contention hope. I mean, obviously, they're not contending for the playoff, but um, just in terms of the hierarchy, the way the ACC shakes out, I think that that they could get, they could recoup some of their loss with, um, they have enough matchups remaining on the schedule where they could get quality wins to put themselves back in that conversation uh, within a top 10 team. If they beat UNC, which is a tall order going to, um, going to North Carolina, and then you have, you have a home game at Clemson, but then you have Florida State, November 11th. Um, those are those are statement games where there's a lot of uh, potential, and even Louisville at home hosting them. Um, so th- there's an opportunity to get back on track. Um, but in terms of their ceiling for this season, uh, it's definitely a um, it's definitely a top 10 finish would be a good demarcation for Crystal Ball and getting back into their old winning ways like they were back in the 90s. Only time will tell with that, right? Yep. So, and very disappointing. Another very disappointing loss that took place in the world of college football is the fact that Georgia fell to Louisville, as you mentioned, 25th ranked Louisville and uh, 7th ranked Notre Dame. And it ended with uh, Louisville not being intimidated whatsoever. Get in the upset victory. Sam Hartman did not play well. He was pressured. He had a bunch of takeaways, and he killed any chance he had for being a Heisman Trophy winner. And any chance Notre Dame had for making the college football playoff, really the bad second loss. What do we think about this? You know, for me, for somebody who had high hopes on on Sam Hartman at the beginning of the year, does stink to see what happens. And, you know, 
no excuses for him either. If you are going to be a top player in this country, if you are going to be a huge prospect going to the NFL, if you're going to be sticking out amongst this great potential quarterback class, you can't lose these games. You can't um you can't fold under pressure like that. And it seems like that was the case. So it is what it is. And if you're him, just 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 run the table, win the rest of the games of the year when the rest of your games this year still kick some ass i mean get some heisman trophy votes uh doesn't seem like it's likely at this point and prove why you are you want to be an nfl draft pick yeah um definitely uh definitely a black eye for my uh for my batting average when it comes to picks for this season i was starting to kind of drink the juice that Matt was putting down early in the season. Um, I liked what mm-hmm. I saw, saw even in a tough loss with Ohio State at home. I thought they really had um, the right energy in the direction uh, where they wanted to go. I, I still believe in this coach. I think that, um, you know, Louisville just showed up that day. I think they're a little better than what was advertised, but it was still oh, unexcusable, completely unexcusable how they came out and started that game. They got way behind, um, way behind you know in terms of uh you know offensive gameplay and output um they were just playing an uphill battle and you can't you can't start a game like that you can't dig out of a hole like that against a tough team especially on the road um when the stakes are on the line and there's implications for a playoff spot so unfortunately they are pretty much uh ruled out of the playoff but um, you know, hats off to Louisville. They showed up for this game. They didn't uh, fall into the hype and, and come in ill-prepared. Uh, they were ready to roll, and they pretty much dominated this game, especially on the ground game. Um, 185 yards to 44 yards on the ground, and it played out in the time of possession, and um, they were they were just they were just very efficient, very efficient football team. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I completely agree. Um, yeah, but, but Louisville itself, uh, we mentioned this on the show, I believe, two weeks ago. Um, there's a lot of sneaky teams in this ACC like that that were coming in a couple weeks ago, ranked in 20, top 25, but they're like the bottom. Um, and we said that these games are going to be challenging for Notre Dame going forward. Um, I was really disappointed um, to see Notre Dame lose this game as I really, really think they had a very good chance to run the table and sneak into the playoff. Um, I think this game for Notre Dame fans everywhere is just so frustrating to watch. Uh, just turnover, pressure in your face. There's just really – nothing but like you felt like it was going to happen you felt like you were this drive is going to be the drive we're going to get a stop we're going to get a score and it just never was the case unfortunately on saturday um i will say uh hats off to louisville though that 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 is a good football team louisville is a sneaky team who is someone that you don't want to see right now and i and Notre Dame has one of the hardest schedules in the country um and it sucks that they're already eliminated from the playoffs. Can't get in. No two-loss team has ever got in. Um, and I know we're going to get into it in a bit, but I, I just really think they manhandled USC this week. And I, I really think Notre Dame was going to run the table in. Um, tough to play these games. NC State, Duke, Louisville, all teams that are top 25 teams. But it's one of them is going to bite you. And unfortunately, this was the one. <clears throat> I was just more disappointed in how they came out in that second half. They got outscored 26 to 13. I mean, that was just, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to come out slow to begin with on offense, but then to let the second half adjustments go to your opponent, it was just kind of, um, uh, it was, it was a little, it was, it was a bit of a letdown. It really was. 
Absolutely. And, and, and someone that we all thought, um, I know I wasn't on the free show or anything, but I know Matt, uh, what is Hartman Heisman pick and that, like, I was all over it too. I really thought yeah. like this team was it. And you know, like the thing that's like weird to me now you're getting in the 12 team playoffs and everything. Maybe what Notre Dame's doing with their schedule isn't the way to go. You book all these games and you book oh, yeah. all these top 25 teams versus a team like Michigan and Penn State. They played the three of us and eight other guys on the field the past couple weeks. Like it's just, uh, it, it's just, um, it, it, it really, it, it makes you think like maybe you just need an Ohio State on your schedule and you lost to them close. And then maybe if you had all cupcakes the rest of the way, you would have snuck in and nobody would have said anything. But having these games on your schedule, man, it, it, it it's going to hurt you. Well, the pain, but is what it is, right? It is what it is. Nico brings up a great point, though. It'll be interesting to see how some of these bids, because a lot of these uh, big head-to-head matchups, they're usually contracts written five, six, seven years in advance. It'll be interesting to see how some of these independent teams and how some of these teams book out of conference, especially with the convergence of the Pac-12 dissolving into the other big four conferences and how they strategize for a 12-team format will be very interesting. You know, I remember you go back. I was going to say, you know who's going to have a difficulty doing that? UConn. <laughs> they can't get out of a wet paper bag. Let's move on. <laughs> I will I will say, though, like, like a team like Penn State's a perfect example. They had that unbelievable team a few seasons ago, if you remember, with Trace McSillery, Barkley, and they were a two-loss team, but a lot of people have them at number four. A lot of yeah. people thought they should have been in the playoff. And now Penn State, they're, they're, they, I know they played West Virginia, but besides that, they're playing UMass. They're playing uh, right. all these teams. And I really think it's the way to go. Oh, yeah. And it, it's until the committee's going to, I mean, next year with 12 teams, it's going to be different. But um, almost the committee to like wake up and just put a two loss team in. Like Notre Dame with this schedule, I 100% think if they run the table the rest of the way, deserve that maybe it'd be in the conversation but the reality is you're not and the season's over and it sucks yeah oh man but we'd love to watch it unfold that's gonna be cool that is gonna be cool so why don't we look ahead to week seven and make some picks y'all why don't we look and uh see what we have going for the seventh week of the college football season let's look at the real big games here okay just one moment which one do I start with? You know, we all we have Georgia. Uh, Georgia is playing Vanderbilt. They're going at Vandy. 31 and a half point favorites. Michigan is going to Indiana. They're 33 and a half point favorites. And then we have Ohio State at three. They're playing Purdue at just 19 and a half point favorites. We assume those four schools are just going to destroy and get whoopings going, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they'll easily cover their spreads, I'm sure, too. <laughs> mm. And Nico, Nico Syracuse is going to Florida State, the 17-and-a-half-point favorite. Are we taking that? <laughs> yeah, I, I really didn't get a great chance to look at that game as much as the other ones. Um, One bet that I very sneakily like this week, uh, and I, I, and I want to be put on blast next week, so I do want you guys to remember this if, it, if I am wrong. I think Vanderbilt wins the first half. I think Georgia comes out and destroys mm-hmm. them in the second half. I like Vandy first half money line. It's like plus 800 or it might even not be that high. It might be like 600 or something. But I 
I think Vanderbilt is going to shock. I think this Georgia team, Alex mentioned it earlier, is a soft one. And I think we're going to yep. see signs of that every week from here on out. And, uh, yeah, that's the only game on those ones that you mentioned that I really think we're going to see some trouble. Uh, but, yeah, I, it there's the noon slate this week is just a little rough, a little rough. Yeah, it is a weird week, but uh, we can still make some bets, right? We can still make some bets. Um, one, one Another matchup we do have here that it can be talked about, and it looks like the best one on the board, we have number eight, Oregon, going up against number seven, Washington. 3.30, big primetime game, very interesting Pac-12 matchup. Who are you taking in this one? What's the spread right now? Just minus three, Washington. Wow. Okay. Um, I, as of now, I'm going to take Bo Nix and Oregon going in, and I'm going to take them by one. I think this comes down to the wire. It's going to be a matter of who plays the cleaner game um, because both have high-powered offenses. It's a matter of turnovers. Um, I think that, you know, with a short field here and an extra possession there, I think that um, whoever has the ball last um, will prevail. And I think that Oregon will get that opportunity. No, yeah, um, I, I know we talked about it last week as well. I really love this Oregon team, and I think they're really good. However, that being said, uh, this is another division and another conference that's going to eat itself alive, and they're, and they're just going to beat up on one another. Um I like Washington in this, even though I still really think Oregon is the best team in the Pac-12. I like Washington winning this game. Um, I still think Oregon could get on later on the road with that, how good that conference is, and they're going to get more quality wins. Um, And I still think Oregon will make the playoff uh, deep down, but I really do think Washington does win this game um, on Saturday. All right. Good stuff there. Another big matchup we have. We have the unranked Texas A&M going against the 19th-ranked Tennessee. Where do we see this going? I think Tennessee will be in a route um, just because I think that they're um, trying to crack back into that, you know, top 10 range, top 15 range. Um, they have more to prove, especially at their home, in front of their home crowd. Now, A&M plays everybody tough. They play Alabama tough. They play Georgia tough when they, when they see them. But – I think uh, Tennessee will prevail. I don't know what the line is right now, um, but I'm, I I think that they will cover it. I'm um, sorry about that. Tennessee minus three. Oh, yeah. They'll, they'll cover that easily. <clears throat> yeah, believe it or not, um, this is a game where, um, I, Alex, if you don't disagree, I'll have to, but I, I think I like Texas A&M here. I think that's okay. my lean. Um, one of my favorite bets I had and highlighted of the week so far, I usually give like a couple of my favorite bets out, but – I like Tennessee's team total under 29 and a half points. I really don't know how this team scores 30 plus versus a tough, solid Texas A&M defense. Um, I, I think Texas A&M is going to sneakily sneak away out of Knoxville with a victory. Ooh. Okay. All right. Bringing the hammer down with that one. So we also have, um, <clears throat> We have another rivalry game this week. We have USC going to Notre Dame. 10th-ranked USC going to 21st-ranked Notre Dame. Notre Dame's opening as the favorites at minus three. How is this rivalry game going to go? 
Yeah, I mean, we've been saying I think USC's defense is pathetic. Uh, besides mm. Caleb Williams, this team is just not good, in my opinion, besides Caleb Williams. Um, <laughs> the only thing, like, before this week, if you asked me this question on Friday, I really saw Notre Dame in a route. The only thing that's hard for Freeman and company, a team like Notre Dame that has all these expectations coming into the year, and you're already out of the playoff come week seven. It, you gotta you gotta make sure you guys are still locked in. Still got big bowl games to play for, still got big uh things to do this season. But I, I think Notre Dame still wins this game. Um, not as easy as I thought prior to the loss to Louisville. I thought they would really manhandle USC, but I do think um Caleb Williams will get his numbers. I do think we're gonna see him struggle more than we've seen him struggle in his whole career um, on this Saturday. But um, Notre Dame wins this game. I think Notre Dame wins it by a touchdown. Interesting. Yeah, I was I was actually very surprised that um, they were favored at home, even with the way that they played last weekend. I understand, like, they're going to get back to their winning ways because it's a matter of pride being back at home. It's a big rivalry, big, uh, big marquee matchup in a, in a big spot. But – I just think that USC, um, again, they're a one-trick pony. They they need to win a certain way, but I think that they can do it on the road um, in a in a contentious environment. Um, Caleb Williams is unbelievable. He is, you know, he's the whole show. Uh, but I do think that their ground game, they're gonna start. Uh, they're gonna start picking apart uh, and wearing down this offensive line for Notre Dame. Um, I really like that running back Jones that they have. Uh, I think that he's gonna start. Um, you know opening up some holes and kind of controlling the clock and tempo of the game. But uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be, it's going to be a great game either way. I'm, I'm excited to tune in for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it's always one of those games. Uh, Notre Dame might be in the green, something you'll love to see. Uh, I just love history. I love about college football. Same thing last week, Red River, Oklahoma, Texas. Uh, it, it's just great to see these matchups. Um, really wish Notre Dame won last week. So it meant even more. Classic right there. We have the 25th ranked Miami Hurricanes at four and one going to the undefeated University of North Carolina Tar Heels with Drake May and the boys. UNC only opening at minus three and a half. What's happening? This is a sneaky game. I really like I, I like the smell of an upset here. Um, we talked about what were our opinions were with Miami blowing that game this week. Um, I think that they're pissed. I think they're hungry, and I think that UNC is is underestimating Miami just in the in the in the bigger picture, the broader picture. I think that the way they hung tough with Florida State. Um, I think North Carolina. I really like Drake May. I like this team and what they're building there. But I think this is one of those games where um, it's a little harder than advertised um even for the home team and i think that it's going to come down to the wire but um this is like this is like a game time pick for me to be honest i think it's a one possession game it's a field goal game but i'm gonna have to give it to unc for now yeah i I definitely think it's gonna be a close battle um but i do have unc winning um one thing that's gonna be tough for this miami team um, a lot of young players on this team where they're going to see their name in the media a lot this week and all for the wrong reasons, which we just discussed earlier about their coach. They're just taking a knee and how bad that was. And myself included bashing him because he deserves all the bashing. He, des- he deserves it all. But uh, no, and UNC, this is a game where you have to win. And you, and you have to be able to – the only reason why I wouldn't be surprised if UNC doing this game by a couple touchdowns, Um, with an ACC that doesn't really have – that like Clemson like they used to have, but they have Florida State right now. Um, UNC doesn't play them, but maybe in the ACC title. But uh, 
uh, you have to win this game pretty comfortably to prove to the committee if you do have one loss or if you are undefeated and they have a decision to make come late December. This is one of those games that they'll look back on. And if you could prove that you handled this game pretty easily, um, I, I think they have a chance to really make a case for themselves. So give me UNC minus three and a half. Um, I do think it will be a one possession game, but UNC really, really needs to try to win this game by uh, double digits to really send a message. All right. We also have the Missouri Tigers. Came off an embarrassing loss last week. They play the University of Kentucky. Kentucky's only opening a minus two and a half. Any interest to see where this goes? Oh, I was very excited. I was I was I was very excited about this game. Um I sneakily like this this Kentucky team. Um, I think this is definitely a bounce back moment um, being five and one. I feel like they're sniffing that they can move up the ranks pretty soon, pretty quickly. Uh, I really like what I see from this offense. Um, and for Missouri, you know, conversely, I think that they're kind of in a demoral- demoralization phase right now. So, um, <clears throat> you know, Kentucky, they obviously they got blown out by Georgia, but they're looking to bounce back. I don't think that they're going to take anything for granted moving forward for the remainder of the season. And they have a lot of winnable games where they can, they can prove themselves, um, you know, in their hierarchy with the SEC. So I think that this is um, a pretty comfortable win for Kentucky and I'm excited to see how, see how it shakes out. No, uh, really good matchup. Like Alex mentioned, I'm really excited for this one as well. Um, something uh, last week, Missouri, that, Plus five and a half. Brutal pick six. Absolute brutal pick six for all the betters out there. Uh, you never want to see, lose a bet that way. But um, I I have to disagree with Alex. I like Missouri this week. Um, I, I do like Missouri pulls this one out. Um, but like you said, close game. I, I really don't think any team manhandles this game either way. Wouldn't be surprised if Kentucky won. Wouldn't be surprised if Missouri won. But uh, I have Missouri by a late field goal in this game. And um. I'm really looking forward to see what this team's going to look like after their first loss of the season. What's going to happen with UCLA when they are going to Oregon State this weekend? And the spread is minus three and a half. Oh, man. This is a, this or is a it's tough... UCLA. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's negative. It's minus three UCLA. No, sorry, sorry. Minus three and a half for Oregon State. Looking the wrong one. Yeah, that that sounds about right. I think uh, Oregon State is a tough team at home. Um, this is another game that I have, you know, I have um, high hopes for, high, uh, my eyes on. Um, I really like this matchup for Oregon State at home. I think it's 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 a difficult, um, unfavorable matchup for UCLA just stylistically, but um, it's a, it's exciting. I'm hoping that. I can stay up for it because this boy's got to sleep. Um, but uh, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a great game to watch. Uh, and you know, it's we're we're watching the Pac-12 unfolding. We're still trying to figure out where everybody's placement is. So I think this will be more of that conversation the same because I think there's tremendous upside for Oregon State if they can um, if they can close this thing out at home. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I this game's going to be a great, great game. Um, I do have UCLA winning this game outright um, with Chip Kelly. Uh, I do think they get the dub. But I will say uh, this is a big game for both teams where you're in a Pac-12 um, that it, it's going to cannibalize itself. You both already have one loss. Um, so losing this game puts you out of the playoff versus typically a conference like this in a game 
you see like a one loss team, you're basically dead. But this year, a one loss team, I think is going to get in in the Pac-12 and I really think it's going to be Oregon. But this is a game where both teams can have a chance to come on and come alive. And uh, I, I, I do have UCLA winning this one and I do have UCLA going on a bit of a run and uh, their schedule has a favorable schedule compared to Oregon State coming up. And I, I think we might be seeing UCLA sneakily be a top 10, top seven team come December. That's a good point, though, about UCLA. They had definitely have a more favorable spe- schedule because they finished off with USA, USC and unranked Cal versus uh, Oregon State, who has both Washington and Oregon back-to-back. Back-to-back, which is brutal. Like, brutal. That defensive coordinator is going to have nightmares for 14 days. <laughs> but I, I I think, like I said, like UCLA, like, I, you know, you, you, you just see it now. Like, they, they can win. They can run that table. I, they like, they, like, they have a chance, like – like, hey, like, we're all in, and this is the game that starts it all. This has to start your run. All right. Yeah. The, the only last thing I just – I'm just not so confident with the last two weeks what I've seen. But they've kept these games really close, um, you know, losing to Utah at home and then, you know, having a tough game at home with Washington State. I just – I don't feel I, – I guess for me, I just don't feel as confident with them going on the road to close out Oregon State. That's just me. No, it's completely fair, and I like, and I think both teams are in the same boat. Um, where this really is going to start a stretch of winnable games. I don't believe Oregon State has after this week anything until that Oregon or Washington game in late. But they have yeah, a couple last, of, last two weeks. So yeah, I think yeah. this this game really uh, starts a win streak for either team and starts this Saturday. A lot on the line. Hey, so UConn doesn't play this week. They're on a bye, but they actually beat Rice. Thirty, they beat them thirty-eight to thirty-one. Did you see at all, Alex? Or did you? No, give no, no. They won. Yeah, good for them. <laughs> <laughs> I had their team total it's under. Not a, it's not a bad look. It's not a bad win. It, it is a Texas team, technically. So, um, you know, I'll take a, I'll take a W wherever I can get it. There's very few of them. UConn football. Hurley's on everybody's mind, and that's it. Everyone's just thinking about well, Coach Hurley and the boys. But here's the thing, and and Matt knows a little bit of this. <clears throat> I'm I'm just pissed because when Edsel left, and he and he left for undisclosed reasons, there was a lot of shit coming down the pipe with him back when he went to Maryland. If he never fucking left Maryland, he would be on a tear right now because they had just beaten Notre Dame in a bowl game. They had just beaten. Um, uh, I think they played OU in a bowl game the year before. I mean, they were like really building shit. They were in a top. They were in a top twenty-five position year after year, and he left under suspicious, uh, um, you know, circumstances. So I'm just upset because being a former ticket uh, season ticket holder, like I saw what could have been, and I know that a lot of uh, people that you know pack wrestler field in East Hartford would have seen the same thing too. So, oh, you silly, silly UConn. All right. Um, final game to discuss here. We have North Carolina State University going to Duke. An in-state rivalry game is 17th ranked Duke. Duke is opening at minus three and a half. Are the Blue Devils going to continue this very impressive college football season? Yeah. yeah. I think... <laughs> Go ahead. No, I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> I think they do. Yeah, I I I think this team just I, I do think they win. Um, 
NC State um, was uh, slightly overrated, I believe, going into the year, and we expected a lot more out of this football team. But, uh, hey, Duke played a great game against Notre Dame, their only loss of the season, um, versus a very good football team. And this is a matchup where another team that needs to win games and needs to win games like this pretty comfortably. When you're a three-point favorite at home, these are the games that, if it ever gets down to it at the end, I know the ECC, it's tough to be in this conversation, but... If it ever got to that point and the committee is going to look at stuff where certain BCS bowls become in play, it you got to win games like this, but you just can't win them. You really got to send a statement, even though it's supposed to be a close battle. If you can really dominate this game, win it by two plus scores, which I really think they do. Um, it sends a message to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more. Just to dovetail off that point, like you got to close this game and close it early and be well rested and not overlook your opponent this week because the classic trap is overlooking for two weeks to a formidable opponent like going on the road for Florida State. I don't want them to buy into the hype too soon, too quickly, get over their skis and overlook NC State and just come out flat. So if they can put them away early, get the guys rested, you have um, Florida State October 21st on a Saturday night. Uh, presumably it's going to be must-see TV. So I I hope and pray, and, and I think that they will um, fulfill – this win this weekend, but um, that would be my only hiccup and pause for concern. All right. Great stuff, gentlemen. You know, maybe this week doesn't have the strongest matchups, but it's still college football. We love it and we're going to enjoy it. We'll be back here in a week from today to see how this potentially midweek unfolded, but maybe we have some surprises along the way. Nico and Alex, and thank you so much, guys. Thanks for having us. One last thing. There was a video that dropped of possibly Bigfoot being found in Colorado. Uh, Any quick thoughts on this? And do you believe it's true? I'm, um, I'm tired of hearing about Colorado as a whole now. The whole yeah. football program, <laughs> Colorado's canceled from it. No, but uh, I didn't. I didn't see it. I I don't know how. I, I have it right here. It might be um, might be another primetime uh, recruiting aspect. He might be like, you know, we got Bigfoot up here now, so <laughs> yeah, put him behind center. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I have it right here. I don't know if you guys can see. Barely, yeah. Looks like a big. You see, pilot. you see someone moving. Yeah, no, it's, it's horseshit. I, I'm not saying I don't disbelieve in Bigfoot, but I just think me being a peaceful anarchist, I just think the government's trying to psyop us, psyop us to death so that we're demoralized. So floating all these fake little aliens in Mexico and doing these uh, alleged autopsies are the same same thinking with you know giving us this half-assed um you know footage of Bigfoot walking through you know god knows where in the fucking hills I don't give a shit oh man we will see what happens in Colorado all right thanks a lot guys Hmm? (laughs) I'm just cynical and cranky leave me alone (laughs) it's all good time for you to go to sleep Mm -hmm. that's right all right, see you later, guys. Alex and Nico, great stuff on our version of College Game Day. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show across all social media platforms. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at Prod Pod, and we're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. And Facebook at Productive Conversation. So tomorrow, 
what is happening tomorrow. So we have another Friday episode, Friday the 13th, if you will. But we're not going to have an unlucky day. We are going to make sure it's productive and we have good stuff. So one thing I will say... The tweet cap, you know, we usually do a recap of the funny things that happened in the news. Obviously, there was nothing funny about what has happened in our world this week. Nothing at all. Where we have this major conflict between Israel and Hamas. And every second on the news, you see just life being taken away and we see the absolute worst things in human nature and you know i you know i talked with the crew and i said it, we should probably not focus on the funny things that happened in the news this week because there's cl- nothing there is there's nothing to joke about so um what we decided to do instead is make it a little more casual more campfire talk if you will it was a very much a big success last week or the not the last week but the last time we did it doing the the fun um questions pod and i'm going to spend the day coming up with stuff and we're gonna just sit back relax as if we're by a campfire and just talk about the funny things that we are trying to figure out in this world so we're going to do another questions pod tomorrow and it's going to be very great very very great i promise you that so i want to thank nico nocera and alex ronelio for their contributions to the show today i want to thank i want to thank alex de jesus for what he does behind the scenes aka dolo ren and i want to thank you the greatest fans and listeners in the world for always supporting us no matter what and being the very best fan base a podcast can have we love each and every single one of you and we appreciate all the love you give back and in return we're giving you nothing but quality content so with that my name is matt brown i am the host of the productive conversations podcast don't forget to check out your friends and family and i'll be seeing you tomorrow all right take care and have a great day peace